This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off one timer to the 30, 20, 10, 5, score! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, great to have you along for the ride tonight. The Edmonton Oilers on the road, losing last night to the Los Angeles Kings. They'll try to get... Back in the win column tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. We're going to set that game up for you. Just two games in the NHL this evening. Buffalo out to a 1-0 lead on the Montreal Canadiens. The Rangers and Capitals just getting underway. By the way, Sabres forward Ryan O'Reilly calling it pathetic that his underachieving Buffalo team will miss the playoffs for a sixth consecutive year. Pretty strong words there from the uh, former member of the Colorado Avalanche. Maybe he should just be glad he's not stuck in Denver this season. But the Oilers coming off a bit of a bummer last night against the LA Kings. Oilers pull it free at center. Here's Cassian to Nugent Hopkins down the slot. Backhander score! Ryan Nugent Hopkins has his second of the night. And just like that, Edmonton has tied it up. Walking in right-hand side. Rich shot short, save made by Talbot. Rebound, score. It trickled behind Cam Talbot. Turnover, Rich shot, score. Six goals, that's that's a week's worth for us when, when this team's, when our team's detailed and, and the structure's there. Uh, and it was leaking tonight. There was some giveaways. Uh, we weren't just as sound as we normally are. Uh, ended up in the back of our net, but six goals. Uh, you're not going to win any games giving up six. So that's something better now, I guess, than, than a couple weeks from now. But uh, it's a lesson better learn real quick. Mark Letestu after last night's game. Tomorrow in San Jose on 6.30, Chet. 7 o'clock for the face-off show, and the puck will drop at 8.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for tuning in to Inside Sports. And Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels checking in from California. Hey, Jack, thanks for fitting me into your busy schedule, buddy. How's it going? Oh, no problem, Reed. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's as you said, it's a bummer. It's certainly one that kind of rests the, uh, I guess, control of your own destiny kind of theme away from the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, up until that game against Los Angeles, uh, the Oilers knew that if they won out, that they were going to win their first division title in 30 years. Now, the importance of tomorrow's game in San Jose, if they don't get that one, now they're no longer in control of even having home ice advantage in the first round. So that's how tight uh, the race is, you know, and you just can't afford a stumble. But on the other hand, the Oilers have won nine of their last 11 games. So they still have to feel good about the way they're playing 
San Jose is banged up. You probably saw Joe Thornton's comments. He's not playing tomorrow. No Logan Kocher. Uh, this is a game uh, the Oilers can and should win. And if they do win it, then they're still going to be in a position. I mean, don't write Edmonton off as far as winning the division title. A lot of people are saying, well, it's going to be an Oilers-Sharks first-round series. Not so much because if, you know, Anaheim has the same kind of stumble that Edmonton endured last night, it puts the Oilers right back in the mix with back-to-back games against Vancouver to close out the weekend. Well, and there's still that measure of unpredictability, even though we kind of know who teams are at this point of the season. I mean, Rob was pointing out last night that Colorado comes from behind to beat Chicago with 51 shots on goal. So there's still room for surprises here as we go down the stretch, and the Oilers are going to have to be careful against the dogged Vancouver team on the weekend. Jack, just, just to wrap up last night's game, how surprised were you not just to see the L.A. Kings score six goals, but the source of most of those goals? Well, that's the thing is, really, Reid, as I looked at it, Washington had to feel, you know, I mean, just a real missed opportunity, only from the standpoint that I felt like the usual suspects, Andre Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Tyler Toffoli, extremely quiet for the Kings. I mean, not much there at all. Drew Doughty, for that matter. Uh, no real meaningful impact in the game. Jonathan Quick wasn't great. You know, he gave up four goals on 27 shots. You know, if if you told me the confluence of those circumstances would have resulted in a loss, I would have been extremely surprised. But, yeah, I mean, Nick Shore, who, you know, it's funny. If you look at his numbers against the Oilers, I mean, he had a game-winning goal in the last two minutes against them last year. He's He seems to, uh, you know, show up against the Oilers. He's a young player, and... You know, he's trying to earn, you know, that's the thing is right now L.A.'s bottom six are thinking now's our time to push up if we're going to ever push up. And uh, they came to play last night. And and really that's where I think uh, the battle was decided, even though the fourth line had its moments for Edmonton last night, five on five. Uh, you know, I, I think guys like Nick Dowd and, and Nick Shore and, and an old pro like Dustin Brown, who's, who's, you know, taken a lot of criticism, but, you know, it's his contract. I mean, it's not necessarily him, the player. He can still play. He's not the 20 to 25 goal scorer he once was, but I felt of all of the L.A. Kings veterans, um, he was the guy that really came to play last night. And, you know, Edmonton, has, as Mark Letestu said, there's really no answers. Once you give up six goals, uh, you have a pretty good idea of how the game's going to go. Yeah. And uh, so it's a missed opportunity. And the Oilers have to shake it off and understand that, you know, again, as you said, the measure of unpredictability, although Chicago has clinched everything. So to some degree, you can kind of see the Blackhawks maybe letting up off the gas just a little bit. But there is a measure of unpredictability when, you know, teams sometimes have nothing to play for. And, you know, for for Anaheim to split its last two games is certainly not beyond the realm of possibility. So the Oilers have to take care of business uh, tomorrow night and win that hockey game because if they don't, uh, they may end up opening on the road in the playoffs. And, you know, as well as Edmonton played on the road in the first half of the season, they've been exceptional at home. I mean, Rogers' place has been an unreal atmosphere. And I think the source of that home ice advantage and the importance of having home ice in the first round really magnify when you consider they've won eight in a row there. So uh, it's it really makes tomorrow's game, I think, an extremely important one. And remember, San Jose 
was not a great home team last year, Reed, but they're very good at home this year. So this is a situation where you really want the home ice. Uh, you want to ride the momentum that the Rogers plays faithful has kind of given the Oilers over the last six or seven weeks of this season, and that means taking care of business tomorrow night. Jack Michaels, Oilers play-by-play voice on the Oilers Radio Network and here on 630 Ched, joining us on Inside Sports. He's in San Jose with the Oilers. They will play the San Jose Sharks tomorrow. Jack, just a couple more for you. What's it, what's it been like late in the season here now with the Oilers, you know, finally not being, you know, also runs or well out of the race? Maybe just not just the 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 perception from the the media in whatever city you're going to about the questions they ask and the storylines they want to know about but i mean we always know there are oiler fans in in every city that you go to as a visitor and sometimes you know you get to mingle with them after morning skate or or say hi to fans how how much different has that vibe part of the job been than years past well, I, I certainly think that, you know, for the most part, you know, people are saying, you know, enjoy it, you know, and enjoy what's about to happen because they know it's been a, you know, a long, a long road for the Oilers. I mean, this is, this is really kind of the second rebuild, if you will. And, and it has not been easy, uh, for, for Oiler fans the last decade plus. And I think, you know, when you go around the league, people, uh, you know, people understand that, you know, number one, that's in play. And I think as the season has moved along and Edmonton has hung around and you look at the Western Conference and they're, you know, Chicago's a heck of a good team. But I think outside of Chicago, there is the thought that the West is, you know, what the East was for so many years, a little more wide open and not necessarily occupied by a massive juggernaut and that's what uh you know that's what i've been getting the last probably seven or eight road games is, is kind of well you know like a hey you know you guys are as equipped as anybody to to do some damage in the playoffs and i think i think teams around the league are starting to understand that you know with the combination of of what connor mcdavid brings to his line and and the and what he and leon Drysettle have done particularly in the last month and you, you know, you work that in with what Cam Talbot has done between the pipes and, and Edmonton in a Western Conference that's a little bit more wide open as a threat. And I mean that. It's, it may sound silly, but I don't necessarily think uh, you've got to you've got to go through it. I mean, teams have struggled in the playoffs, entering you know entering the postseason. Teams have been razor hot, flamed out in the first round. I don't think there is a formula. I think the the most simple formula is to have good goaltending and good special teams. And when you have a special player like Connor McDavid, then anything becomes possible. Jack, before I let you go, because I, I, we have, Rob and I have had dozens of calls and texts overtime open line just saying, man, they enjoy listening to Jack's call the game. So rather than just pass all those on to you individually, because I always promise people I'll let Jack know. So my chance to let you know publicly that uh, people are enjoy listening to your calls uh, of the Oilers clinch in the playoff spot and down the stretch drive here. So good for I know you're humble, but uh, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. But good for you, man. You've been doing a great job. Well, it's it's really you know the the thing is is everyone enjoys the calls and everyone enjoys the broadcast a lot more when the club is playing the way they are, and that's really been uh, you know the best the best part of this whole experience is you know seeing the club reach another level uh, down the stretch. And like I said, I mean 
you know, Anaheim's the only other team that's probably playing as well as the Edmonton Oilers right now. And again, you got to toss out the last 40 minutes last night against Los Angeles. But you win 9 of 11 coming down the stretch uh, and a lot of key games against a lot of quality opponents from both the Eastern and Western conferences. I think the Oilers have every reason to feel confident about what they could do in the postseason. And I think the city, and you can tell this, Reed, and I know you deal with it on a daily basis, but uh, when you come out of the arena uh, on game nights now, there is a different vibe and a different energy of this city. And our colleague Rob Brown summed it up best. No matter you know what the pundits may say about uh, the frivolous nature of professional sports, in a very real sense, the mood of an entire city can be dictated on what its sports team is doing. And right now the Oilers, I think, are making a lot of people uh, in this city feel like anything is possible. Jack, thanks so much for taking time for everybody. Going to be a fun one tomorrow against the Sharks. I'll talk to you then, okay? All right, Reed. Good talking to you, as always. That's Jack Michaels checking in, play-by-play voice for the Oilers here on 6.30. Ched, yeah, bit of a stumble last night for the Oilers for sure. Uh, I just got a text message here from Gordo who says the Oilers put it on coast after the first period. Weren't as engaged as we've come to expect. Certainly weren't as detailed. We've used the D word quite a bit. I think some of the uh, LA Kings players ramped it up a little bit. And, you know, Rob made a good point after the game last night as well. For some of those Kings depth players or some of the younger guys who are kind of getting an NHL audition, uh, to them, that's a huge game. I, I mean, for, for some of the couple of those guys, you know, look at that Brodzinski kid, you know, biggest, uh, they're they're playing the biggest games of their career night after night, and maybe the Kopitars and some of those guys of the world, it's like, okay, well, we've been in the cup final, so what's going on with game 79 tonight? 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can text 630-630. We'll get a viewpoint from the Sharks broadcast booth as we move along. Kevin Carries is going to join us tonight. The Masters start tomorrow. Favorite Dustin Johnson, who, of course... Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law took a serious fall on a staircase today, injured his lower back. His manager says uncertain whether Johnson will be able to play in the tournament. We'll keep an eye on that. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. We are the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Oilers playoff run. We will have every game for you right here on 630. Chad, of course, the playoff schedule not out yet, I would imagine. When do we usually get that, Warren? Maybe uh, maybe Sunday night, maybe uh, early Monday, right after the regular season ends? I hope it's soon. I hope it's soon. I'd like to know it right now. Yeah, but we can't because we don't know who's playing who. i got to book some days off. You take it days off to watch playoffs? I get to watch them here, so I won't actually. It's a it's a pretty good job. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not bad working for the station that broadcasts that, the games. That's right. Because if you're glued to the TV and the boss is like, what are you doing? Well, I'm watching the Oilers. Oh, yeah, right. you got to know what's going on. I'm, I'm working. <laughs> did you hear the uh, Brett Kissel song? I did. It's really good. Let's play it. Edmonton 2, Los Angeles 1. And one of the most storied franchises in the history of the National Hockey League has reclaimed its birthright by stamping its ticket to the playoffs. 
the Stanley Cup playoffs are real in Edmonton once again. It was puck drop on hockey night. Throwing back beers, get to feeling right. We waited for this for 11 years. Now we're rocking them playoff beards. Couple big hits, then some big saves. Now the postseason is underway. Got the place, got the team, and we got the fans. Now the Flames don't stand a chance. And yeah, I got a feeling when the goal horn sounds. The other team better pack up or give up. Cause there ain't no stopping us now. We're gonna win the cup. fan Brett Kissel we're gonna win the cup that's his tune for the playoff drive listen to it at your convenience on the Oilers page on 630ched.com Oilers Sharks tomorrow what's going on with San Jose Dan Rusinowski their play-by-play voice up next inside sports on 630ched This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Canada continues to roll at the World Men's Curling Championship 10-2 over Japan this afternoon. They're 9-0. They have clinched a spot in the 1-2 playoff game on Friday. You'll hear from Skip Brad Gushu as we move along tonight on Inside Sports. The Blue Jays trail Baltimore 3-1. That's in the top of the sixth. In the NBA, Kyle Lowry is back for the uh, Toronto Raptors tonight. Missed 28 games with that wrist injury. The Raptors taking on Detroit, trailing 54-42 late in the first half. In the NHL, Sabres up 1-0 on the Habs. That is after one. No score between the Rangers and the Capitals with about seven minutes left in the first. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tomorrow on this station at 7 o'clock, we have the face-off show between the Oilers and the Sharks. The game will start at 8.30. We have Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer in our broadcast booth, the San Jose Sharks Radio Network play-by-play guy, Dan Rusinowski. Dan, welcome back to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? 
fabulous, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. I got to uh, briefly see you last week at the, at the morning skate. Didn't get to chat much, but uh, fun time of year, fun time of year. I'm going to dive right in here, Dan. Uh, I'll just ask you for the injury updates with, uh, with Thornton and Couture. What's, what's the latest, if anything, on these guys? Well, the latest is that Joe Thornton met the media today after getting on the ice for a brief practice and pronounced himself uh, ready to play for game one of the playoffs. And he said he didn't know if he'd play Saturday or Sunday or, or tomorrow or, or whenever, but he said uh, that he was going to be ready for game one. And that's big news as far as the Sharks are concerned. Of course, we don't know exactly how he'll feel for the rest of the campaign, but he really took a hard ding there in that, uh, that collision. Uh, the other night, and so uh, pretty obvious that that uh, holding him out and ending his lengthy uh, games played streak would would have to happen. But this is a guy that never gets injured. It's, it's only the tenth game he's missed as a player since joining the Sharks in November of 2005. And that's really an incredible number when you think about the fact that he's played against all the top guys on the other team. He's been on the ice for all of the big situations, and he has to take a physical pounding every time he's on the ice. So when you think about that and you realize that how few games he's missed over that time, Patrick Barlow, same thing. It's just an amazing story. All right. I didn't and, mention Couture, but I, did, I didn't mention Couture, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, no, I just Logan wondered is, if there's any hope there for him playing in the near future. Uh, the, he's hoping to get back for the playoffs, too. Okay. And it's the, same, it's the same kind of thing. I think they're a little bit more conservative about uh, making any pronouncements as to whether Logan's going to be ready for game one or anything like that. But uh, uh, obviously he took a, a real hard shot and has a variety of things he's got to deal with, including a few less teeth. Yeah, geez, that's... Well, what, what was the... Uh, it, it was considered a positive a few days ago when they, they came out and said that he could... They didn't have to wire his jaw shut, eh? I mean, that, that's how bad it was right. that that was a positive. Well, I, the reason why that all came up is because it reminded all of us of, an, of another earlier incident in Sharks history when an Al McKinnis slap shot, remember him? Yeah. Uh, went off the stick of defenseman Doug Bodger and struck Tony Granato on the side of the draw, jaw and broke it in three places. And I'll never forget that flight home after that one. Um, but uh, that's, that didn't happen this time. So everybody was worried that that could potentially happen. But Logan was very fortunate. Yeah, for sure. Dan, you know, I, I'm curious. This is the, the Oilers, not for every player, because they brought in some experienced guy, but certainly as a team as, and as a franchise, it's been a while since they've been here, playing important games, jockeying for positioning, trying to get home ice. San Jose was a perennial contender. They made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. How how have they been down this stretch? How much importance do you th- do you think they place on getting a high seating, getting home ice advantage? You know, is that a priority, or are they more in the mode of okay, we've done this before, we know what happens with the playoff starts, we'll be fine no matter where we finish? Well, I'd say, Reed, that to answer your question, I'd like to think about the premise of it. In order for uh, for us to uh, uh, to understand the importance of home ice, you have had to have been there before. And the Sharks were there before last year, and they really appreciated the fact that in round two they had home ice advantage against the Nashville Predators because that series won a full seven games, and the home team won every game. And they got to the position where they had that last change in that critical matchup 
under those circumstances, and I think uh, that any team in the NHL would rather have that than be on the road and have a second change and, and all of the pressure. Having said that, though, when you're on the road, the pressure is a little bit more on the home team. And so uh, that can work both ways. We've seen that in Sharks history. But I'd say that, that all things being equal, the team that, that has the home ice advantage is what's preferred, and that's what the Sharks would love to get. So uh, division title or bust, I guess. All right. How have you looked at the matchup so far between the, the Oilers and the Sharks? I'm curious to get your perspective because I, I have spent most of the season thinking that that would be a pretty tough matchup for the Oilers in the playoffs. Um, because the Sharks are able to pressure, they they play with speed. They they have guys who have been together a while. And even last week, you know, when the Oilers won, San Jose wound up with a, with a pretty you know lopsided advantage in shots on goal. As you're watching it from the Sharks broadcast booth, how have you seen the four games so far? Well, I've seen it as as showing the potential for a, a fabulous playoff series. To be honest. Of course, we all know that uh, when all things are equal, Connor McDavid can change that into a flick of the wrist or maybe the quick uh, use of one of his brilliant hockey thoughts. And I think that that presents a, an X factor. You've got two great goaltenders. You've got Martin Jones on one side. You've got Cam Talbot, who's having a great year on the other side. I think you've got an underappreciated uh, group of players defensively for the Oilers. And I think that the real battle in the series will be with with the unknowns the uh, the questions as to how will the third and fourth lines do against each other and which of, of that group is going to rise to the occasion you know last year in the stanley cup final it was that hbk line the so-called third line for the penguins that made such a difference all through their playoff run and i think that uh, that the sharks in thinking of that have, have risen the depth of their team but you look at the you know, you look at the Edmonton Oilers and you, and you see uh, a similar situation with guys that are giving Coach Todd McClellan a lot of, a lot of mileage over the course of the last years. Um, DeArnay's been a decent pickup. Zach Cashin's doing a good job. And Benoit Pouliot, you know, is another guy that, 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 that can come up with some big efforts. So uh, there, there are no qualms about saying this could be a great playoff series between these two teams. Two really good teams with some spectacular stars on top. But I think that the series could be decided between goaltending and uh, that third and fourth line performance. Yeah. Well, it's uh, at this point, it's likely that they're going to play in the first round. Though, of course, other possibilities uh, do linger. That's that's fun with all the jockeying at this time of year. Hey, Dan, thanks for fitting me in. It's always great to see you. Maybe we're going to be seeing a whole bunch more of each other starting about a week from today, man. I'll start lobbying for pierogies in the press box as soon as I find out the schedule. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can get my aunt to make some, and we'll just bring some down. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. All right. See you later. Dan Rizanowski checking in tonight from the San Jose Sharks Radio Network. Going to be a fun one tomorrow night. Oilers in San Jose going at it. And, yeah, the standings, of course, right now. Anaheim 101 points in 80 games. The Oilers and Sharks both with 97 points. Now, the Oilers have only played uh, 79 games. The Sharks have played 80. So the Oilers are placed in second place because they have uh, a game in hand. So we'll see if uh, they're able to win that game in hand as we move along. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow, then a home-and-home against Vancouver to close out the regular season on the weekend. You can text 63630. Uh, Warren, you're going to have to help me out here. This texture says, Reed, where do you find Oilers window flags? I'm going to have to check into that. I would assume you could go to the Oilers store. That's a really good question because I, I still have one from 2006 that I found in my parents' garage last weekend. But Someone just texted in. I, I, this is one of those I think I can put out to the listeners. If you have an Oilers window flag and new one, 
uh, tell me where you got it. I assume they're out there. I know uh, I, I tend to frequent Kingsway, Kingsway Mall. I enjoy the empty Target store. No, I'm joking. Uh, but there is an Oilers store there. Give us a hand. 6.30, 6.30 to text. Where do you find Oilers window flags? Uh, this texter says, uh, Dean says, Reed, I got to say that Rod Phillips was an amazing legend at his craft and will always be the voice of my youth and those glory years. I honestly was skeptical that anybody would be worthy of taking over his position, but Jack Michaels has done an incredible job, and I definitely see him being a legend in years to come. His call of that overtime goal the other night was absolutely epic. Jack's been doing great. Somebody got one at Canadian Tire. Got an Oilers flag at Canadian Tire. We played the Brett Kissel song. This texture says, if we lose, I'm blaming him. Never count chickens before they hatch. Then they put a little smiley face at the end. All right. We also have Jed on the line. Hello, Jed. Hey, Reed. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, right right beside uh, Ed's uh, bowling alley there, West Edmonton Mall, Upper Deck. I think it's a sport mart right beside there. I've seen some guy goofing around his window. I think it was Monday I seen him, and he, would, he had those flags. So really, somebody else just texted in Pro-Am Sports. So I think anywhere you get any sort of sporting... If you wanted to buy a jersey or a T-shirt, they'll probably have the. Yeah, wear hockey life too. They'd have them for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, if you're in, I, like I just mentioned, because I go to Kingsway Mall all the time, I'm sure the yeah. Oilers store itself would have one. Thanks, Jed. It. Okay, Reed. Take care. Right? Good to hear Bye. from you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll uh, touch base with Tim Campbell, who's been covering the Oilers for NHL.com, and uh, we'll also talk a little golf with him because not only did he cover several Masters tournament, he's played Augusta National twice. Warren Mulvey shaking his head in jealousy on the other side of the window. We're coming right back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Keeping an eye on the Blue Jays game here, top of the seventh. They're trailing Baltimore 3-1. Nobody out in the top of the seventh, so they got... Nine outs left to try to make something happen. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.49 Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. It's been fun uh, for me to get to know a, a new member of the Oilers media contingent this season, though certainly no one new to covering the NHL hockey and sports in general. I'm pleased to welcome from NHL.com Tim Campbell to the show. Hey, Tim, thanks for making time for me. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. I'm happy to do it. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. It's it's good to talk to you. I've I've been hinting for a few weeks that I was going to bug you to do this, uh, and we'll we'll get to the that topic in a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, well, what an interesting time for you to join the Oilers media beat, a eh? new building, new captain, and uh, maybe a, maybe a new era here, finally getting into the playoffs. Well, it has been interesting. I, I just get the impression it's always been this fun and successful. So it has been a really good season. Uh, now, just to, to let people know, you you were uh, in Winnipeg for the the bulk of your career. That's correct. I worked at the uh, Free Press in Winnipeg and covered the Jets in the 1.0 era for nine seasons, and then the interim years uh, with the minor league Moose, and then uh, since the relocation of 2011, back to the NHL. Uh, so uh, hockey mainly, and uh, the time has flown by. It's been a lot of fun. Give me a sense of uh, of what that city went through with with the Jets leaving, and then and then coming back. Uh, I mean, did it just 
did it just change everything twice or or you know what was that whole experience like yeah i was um i i would describe it even even as a you know a member of the media working the newspaper for a long time i mean you know we report the news but i i can tell you it the earlier thing in 1995 and 96 when when the team uh, went to Phoenix, very emotional uh, around Winnipeg, um, you know, a, a profound sense of loss and made me think of something that, you know, some bad time you've had and how bad you felt. And it's probably about twice that bad when it comes to hockey for Canadians. So uh, there were some dark years, I would say, in Winnipeg where morale was quite poor. Um, things picked up, I think, with the world junior when it was here and then the pan am games and then fast forwarding to 2011 i mean you, you just can't imagine the the happiness and the elation uh, you know over the whole deal in, in 2011 when the the team was bought and, and moved back to winnipeg or moved to winnipeg the atlanta thrashers i mean um it was a very emotional time i, just, I do remember the first regular season game here against the montreal canadians uh, after the relocation and i don't know i consider myself sometimes a hard and gruff old member of the media sometimes uh, been at this job a long time but i'm not sure i've been in a building quite that emotional uh and that's you know that's six years ago now but uh it, it sticks with me like it was yesterday uh and i think largely those times continue in winnipeg there's a bit of impatience over the team but uh, that's just part of the belonging i think and it, it's a sign that everything's back to normal yeah, that's really cool. Tim Campbell joining us, been covering the Oilers for uh, NHL.com. He's talking about his uh, his uh, former gig with the Winnipeg Free, pa- Free Press. And as part of that, to transition into the big events starting tomorrow, you got to, how many times did you get to cover the Masters, Tim? Well, I attended, I covered the Masters 12 times. Wow. Um, from 1998 to, to 2009. Um, and uh, I consider it, I still consider it quite a privilege to have, you know, been on the grounds there that many times to cover that many Masters, and including the Mike Weir Masters. Uh, those are just special times to me in sports, all the <clears throat> different sports and events that I've covered. There is nothing like the Masters, uh, and so you just learn to appreciate what it is. The history and the tradition are so important, and I, I think it. Probably, I was always a lover of golf before I went to Augusta National, and, and I think it only enhanced my my love of the game and passion for the game. Uh, play probably not very well, but uh, but it's a very special thing in golf for me. And having been there, I, I, I think I can, I will always appreciate it. Let's put it that way. What what's it like? Uh, and I know you, I know you got to play the course, and I want to ask you about that. But what's it like being on the grounds and? I mean, what what strikes you? What what experience do you get that the TV viewer is never going to get, you know, get in terms of a subtlety uh, of the course or a layout thing or something like that? Well, there's two main things for me. Um, you know, one you'll hear this from anyone that goes goes there to visit or to attend the tournament. Uh, it's the topography of the property. Um, you know, television just simply doesn't do it justice. It tries very hard and it gives you a lot of nice pictures, but uh, the ups and downs of the golf course from, you know, the high point of the course is basically the 10th tee, and you go swooping downhill for, you know, three holes. The, just that amount of up and down, it's mostly down from 10 to 12. Um, it, it's just startling uh, when you get out there and walk around. Not that I mention it's not that easy to walk some days, but um, to play and, you know, there's very little that's flat out there. 
uh, whether it's the greens themselves or the holes, the way they, you know, they go through the property up and down and up and down and some of them, some of them up and down and around. So that, that to me is one of the most striking things. And then the other, the other thing is when you go there and see the way things are done and the way things are, uh, and by this I mean scoreboards and concession stands. I mean, it's a complete, uh, it's like a time machine. It's like going back to the 1940s or the 50s or the 60s. For all intents and purposes, that golf course has been as it is forever. Um, obviously, this is 2017, but um, you know, very little out, out on the golf course changes to the naked eye. The scoreboards are still the same old manual scoreboards. I'm not sure that's ever going to change at Augusta. Um, when they change things on the golf course, when they when they tried to tiger proof it uh, around 1998, 1999, 2000, um, even when they made some dramatic changes by lengthening some of the holes, when you arrive the next year, the hole just looked like it had always been like that. Um, and <laughs> that's the way they do things there. I don't think the budget is ever a consideration or manpower. And um, uh, it, it, it is like traveling back in time. And it is, if you are a golfer, it is a thing to behold in that respect. All right. Before I let you go, uh, I mean, I know how it works, but but let people know how you, as a member of the media, uh, got to play the course and, and how that all played out, because that's kind of cool how they do it. Well, it's a very distinct privilege, I guess. Once you uh, you you attend the Masters and uh, as a member of the media, so at the end of the week, on uh, back when I played, anyway, on Saturdays uh, there would be a draw, uh, Saturday and Sunday amongst all the accredited members of the media, and they would pull 10 names out of a hat uh, every year, and those folks would be invited to come back on Monday after the tournament and play the course. So uh, I was pulled the very first time I attended the Masters when Mark O'Meara won the 98 Masters, uh, and it was it was almost too good to be true. I had to change flights and, and do a lot of rearranging to my schedule, but it just a thrill of a lifetime to be able to go out and do that to mess around on a course where some of the greatest players have done some of the greatest things ever, um, you know, including a lot of personal heroes like you know Jack Nicklaus would would be at the top of that list for me. So um, the second time was uh, actually in 2005, and it, it caused me to mess up a road trip. I actually had to Edmonton at the time. Uh, it was the lockout year, but the AHL year. Uh, for the team in Edmonton, and I won the lottery. There was a se- there's a seven year moratorium on after you win, you can't go back in the draw. And of course, seven years later, I went back in the draw and got pulled again. Oh, That's how, <laughs> how good a luck I had. So um, I didn't play so well the second time around, but uh, it didn't ruin my day one bit. Was there a, just quickly before I let you go? Was there a shot where he hit where it's like, okay, least I got to do that? I hit the type of shot that I've s- seen on TV. Both times I played the golf course. I was able to take a seven iron on the 12th hole and hit a really good golf shot over the creek and hit it on the green, and I'll I'll stand by that as a career accomplishment. That is awesome. <laughs> Tim, thanks for those stories, man. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'll see if Dustin Johnson's able to go tomorrow after tripping on the stairs today, and uh, I guess I will see you back at Rogers Place on Sunday. Appreciate your time. I'll look forward to that, Reed. Thanks so much. That's Tim Campbell checking in, covers the Oilers for NHL.com, and two times, two times he's got to play Augusta National. That's awesome stuff. Great to have Tim on the show. All right, 6.58. Kevin Carius coming up. 
We'll talk a little Oilers. You'll hear from Brad Gushu as well. Canada's skip over at the World Curling. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.